Last week, my husband Nate and I drove into an alley on a street we'd never been to, picked up a smallish wooden bench and cable lock, and drove away with it. Over the next couple of days, I painted the bench with some leftover house paint I found in our shed. Today, we're taking it to a bus stop on a busy highway that's currently unmarked and seatless. We live on this bus line, and despite owning the two cars that every middle-class southern household should, we ride this bus sometimes. We ride to burn less gas and take up less parking and traffic space, to see our neighbors' faces, to increase the ridership that would increase the funding for the buses. But ultimately, we ride because we think it's delightful. No parking, no driving, read a book or chat with the driver, your choice. It adds a few extra minutes of walking into our days. It feels like being a part of our city in an irreplaceable way. We love this insignificant little bus line, even though we know how many of our fellow car owners in this city view all pedestrians, cyclists, and buses as mere obstacles to them, the rightful owners of the road. So when we got the chance to help make a bus stop safer and more accessible, we just did it. Someone else paid for the lumber, another person built the bench, and another person put out the call to the Chattanooga Urbanist Society for painting volunteers on social media. And all of those people, by remaining anonymous, are really much more in the spirit of the thing than I am, blathering on here about my involvement. Maybe all of us sticking our whimsical little benches around are mere hobbyists. Maybe we don't get to call it work because we're enjoying ourselves a little too much. Maybe strowing benches around to make the city more comfortable and cute isn't a coordinated or strategic enough PR campaign to spark imaginations of a city that's livable for human bodies. But I can't help thinking this week how much more good each of those people with their tiny tasks has done for the city and their neighbors than a hundred others put together, who have spent a lot of time formulating the quote-unquote correct opinions about public transportation, perhaps even said their correct opinions to their like-minded social media friends, but never done a thing to actually change how they or anyone else get around. I'm not political, I used to say. I wanted to love people, not breathlessly follow the machinations of faraway power. The government had never mattered all that much to my life. Then I met poor people whose lives had been impacted by governments at every turn, by child welfare services, by public schools and standardized tests, by Medicare and the disability system, by police who were all too willing to harass the vulnerable and all too scarce when they needed protection and service. Food stamps, pedestrian and bike safety, minimum wages, housing vouchers. Loving people, it suddenly seemed, meant knowing and caring how faraway powers made decisions about their lives. And because they were my neighbors, mine. Every law, every tax was a choice about how we would live together, about who we were, about who counted as we. Maybe I didn't become quote-unquote political overnight, but in time I became watchful, aware, uneasy, alive to how power operates and mutates and dictates. Awake, O sleeper, says the letter to the Ephesians. 
Since then, I've worked in a food pantry and soup kitchen, practiced asset-based community development, marched in pride parades, marched with the Poor People's Campaign, sang and strategized in church basements with the Poor People's Campaign, gone to boring Zoom meetings and tediously written emails for the Poor People's Campaign, coordinated donations for and documented Black Lives Matter protests, attended city council meetings, spoken at county council meetings, hosted a Warren staffer in my home, worked in early voting and counted ballots in the 2020 election, hosted gatherings and meetings for advocacy organizations, helped start the Affirming Alum Collective, supported activists near and far with time, money, and care, and tried to share a little of what I've witnessed and learned in all these places. And still, when someone calls me an activist, I sometimes hesitate. Activists wear t-shirts with slogans on them every day. Activists know politicians. Activists have arrest records. Activists know lots of history and political theory and stuff about political or about privilege and oppression. Activists have strategies and demands. Don't they? In those moments, I begin cataloging all the quote real activists I know personally and the moments I'm sure I quote did activism in my life. And I realize that real activists, as I imagine them, don't exist. Our campaigns and movements are scrappy and strong, but they're also rather held together with scotch tape most of the time. Our victories can feel hard won, too late and fleeting, and our defeats nearly inevitable. We all feel a little inadequate to the work that's really needed and deeply lucky to share what work we can. None of us is the activist of myth. None is the hero Gotham needs or deserves. We are whoever has bothered to show up. When I was in college studying theology, friends and family assumed I was planning to become a pastor. A lady pastor. They were so excited. Over and over, I tried to explain. So far as I felt called of God to anything... I felt a real vocation to just be a layperson. Maybe we have enough professional Christians, I said. Maybe it can be a sacred thing to minister from where we already are. Maybe each pastor is only as effective as their congregation is willing to be. (coughs) We don't always have a word for this vocation. Christian, I suppose. And I wish we had a word for lay activist. Citizen, we would hope. One who participates in the always messy work of choosing together what kind of world we are making here. In all honesty, despite the long list, being political still doesn't come naturally to me. But we are living in a time when we all have to choose. Staying out of it, giving up, Even tracking people in issues like we're watching a sport or enjoying an academic exercise without ever putting our own time, energy, money, or reputations on the line, these are all votes for a status quo that was never just and is quickly drifting toward authoritarianism and cruelty. And so, incidentally, are some of the habits the left has developed lately, demanding perfection of one another, forever losing the plot of analysis or strategy to indulge in self-satisfied litanies of blame, overlooking local needs while chasing the shiny object of national spotlights. 
we have done our fellow citizens a grave disservice by implying that politics is a separate arena of life. And we activists have damn well shot ourselves in the foot by imagining that politics is not every single choice anyone makes about how they want their community to be, how they view or address their fellow citizens, how they look toward or away from the truth of where power lies. In reality, big sweeping political victories won't stick. They won't be enforced. They won't affect all the other arenas of life. If we aren't also practicing the world we want to live in on a smaller scale, if we have no art or songs that help us imagine that world into being, if we don't value the not invisible but invisibilized tasks and caring labor that lie behind every politician's or activist's boasts that they, quote, get things done, And many of those victories can't happen if there is no bench or no bus or no neighbor who's reliable with the rides to help citizens get to the action safely with or without the privilege of a car. In reality, all of these are vital ways of participating. In reality, we need many more citizens willing to do what they can, not more activists berating or begging or shaming people for not doing what they can't. In reality, there is no movement and no change unless everyone feels invited and allowed. Maybe I don't fit the description other people have in their heads for a proper activist any more than my own. And as time goes on, that becomes the reason I don't shy away from the word. As a disabled citizen, I refuse to let activism be defined by frantic overcommitment. As a local citizen, I refuse to let activism be defined by the distractions of national politics. As a student of systems, I refuse to let activism be defined by narrow measures of results when we don't always know all the effects of our actions. As a feminist citizen, I refuse to let activism be defined as somehow the opposite of simple acts of care, daily relationships of patience, attentive habits of maintenance. As a writer and artist, I refuse to strip away from activism the deeply human and necessary tasks of witnessing, noticing, and making beautiful. As a Christian citizen, I refuse to idolize politics as if y'all, I mean, we did not most deeply need the wide and long and high and deep love of Jesus. And as a rider of the bus, I refuse to wait for someone else to act. Peace, love, bread and wine, Lindsay.